Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We'll be continuing today going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are here in chapter number 3, and we've been looking at verse number 10, which says, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, we've spent the last couple episodes looking at some issues related to prayer, looking at how the Apostle Paul defines the issue of prayer, contrasting some of the things that Paul says about prayer with what we see said for the nation of Israel, how there are very different prayer promises that are made when we compare the program for the nation of Israel with what God has given to us, the members of the body of Christ for today. Now we see how, as Paul's describing this idea of prayer, he says, night and day praying exceedingly. So he's taking this word exceedingly and applying this issue to prayer and how the prayer life that he's describing is for something to exceed means it's going above and beyond anything that we would normally think of as being a representative of what someone is supposed to do. And it's this is a very interesting concept when we compare it with what Paul says later on in this exact same epistle. If we turn a couple chapters over here to chapter number 5, and we see in verse number 17 when he says, Pray without ceasing. And how... This description of prayer that it's supposed to be a so much a part of the life of a believer today that it would be described as being without ceasing. And yet Paul can describe it and say that the prayer like that they had was exceedingly, that they were praying exceedingly compared to what most people would consider a normal prayer life to be. And that's really what, as Paul's describing these things, this is how that issue of prayer is really to be looked at. And because individuals have this thought process of, you know, their prayer life is, well, I either I, I start my day off with prayer or I end my day with prayer. You know, and you know, maybe I pray at you know special occasion. You know, pr- pray at meals, and you know, you pray at the beginning of a worship service, and you know, pray at the end of the service, and that's what prayer really is. But you see how what is Paul's describing this whole thing related to this issue of prayer that the prayer life of a believer is supposed to be something that is so much a part of who we are that it just comes naturally to us and it would be something that is just kind of keeps happening and happening to where it could be without ceasing 
to where it looked like it is exceeding compared to what the average person thinks prayer actually is. Now, you see how in this passage that Paul is describing this issue of what him, Silas, and Timothy are actually looking at when it says that for their praying exceedingly that we might see your face. That's what they're actually praying for. And starting with this, that we might. You know, there was no guarantee that this was going to happen. You know, and this is one of those things when you look at how individuals take the scriptures and they almost twist some things around for this and say that, you know, God has laid out everything that is going to happen in the life of an individual. That you know, God has laid out every single possible detail of a person's life. Now, if that's true, why would the inspired word of God actually talk about an issue of that we might see your face? With the thing of that maybe this is going to happen and maybe it's not going to happen. The reality of things is God has not laid out every single detail of a person's life. There is flexibility in things that happen and you see it in scriptures. You see if you go over to Acts chapter number 1. Let's turn there for a moment. We're just going to look at the choosing of the apostle that was to replace Judas here. And you see how this description, it happens of what goes on here. Let's In Acts chapter number 1, we'll start here at verse number 21. It says, Wherefore... Of these men which have company with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, Show whether these two thou hast chosen, that we may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. We see an issue of them casting lots, you know, as a thing of who's this actually going to be. You see in the Gospels, when the Lord Jesus Christ is giving parables, he talks about the one, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where it starts talking about by chance the individual comes. You know that there's thing, you know, there are details laid out of where God does not lay out every single detail of somebody's life, because if that's the case, and which would include even the idea of a person choosing salvation or not. 
know, choosing salvation in this dispensation of whether they're going to put their trust in the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, a person putting their trust in what was accomplished on the cross, putting their trust in that alone, the individual has salvation. Now a person can choose whether they're going to put their trust in that or not. Now, if God lays out every single thing of what's going to happen in a person's life, that would include whether they actually are going to put their trust in the gospel message, which means that God would be choosing certain people for salvation. And by extension, since he's choosing some people for salvation, he's choosing other individuals to not be saved. So he's choosing individuals to say that you're going to experience the second death and the eternal separation from God. Now, that doesn't sound like a just God. And I've heard individuals try to make the arguments of, well, because God you know, knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows that this person would, would reject the offer of salvation, so he chooses the people who would only accept. Well, one, that doesn't even make any sense with it, because by that same token, you know, it's a thing of saying, well, they, because they aren't going to accept that they really don't even have a real opportunity then to actually accept that gospel message based on what is being said. God's will is that all men would be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. If God's will is that all men would be saved and God is determining everything that's going to happen, then God's will would be fulfilled and all men would be saved. The reality of things is that God knows how things are going to work out, but it's the free will of man that allows for things to happen. And that's why when Paul's saying here in our passage in 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 3, verse 10, we said, but that we might, it's a thing of that circumstances might, you know, could happen to where they end up back in Thessalonica and are able to see these individuals again. Circumstances might not happen that way. Their goal is that they wanted to be able to see these individuals again and have a ministry with them. Now, you see how the Apostle Paul, in his epistles, always talks about this idea of wanting to be with the members of the body of Christ. Wanting to see these individuals. In fact, he even talks about this with individuals he's never even met. If we go over to Romans chapter number 1, you see how he's going to describe this to an assembly that he has never met these individuals. They have no idea, you know, really who he is, you know, from a face-to-face thing. They've read his epistles. They've had the gospel preached unto them. They are saved members of the body of Christ. 
And yet we read here, starting in chapter number one, we're going to start reading here at verse number eight, where it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request that by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, you see how, again, Paul talking about this issue of the prayer life. You know, we've spent some time talking about that idea, praying for these individuals. And there's a longing that he had to be with them. A longing that he had to meet them after he describes how your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So individuals had been telling the Apostle Paul about these saints in Rome and the faith that they had, which is why he's writing this epistle unto them, giving them this doctrinal information, having never met them, having heard of their faith, and he has this desire to actually go and see them, to minister with them. As he lays out in verse 12, that there's going to be a comfort that comes from being together with them. You know, that's one of these things that, you know, it, as we're entering into, you know, the fifth month of all the different things that are happening with the COVID-19 virus and the lockdowns that are happening in different areas and how, you know, things are have been canceled in places, you know, impacting the ability of the saints to be able to get together with it, that it can have a true impact on individuals, you know, trying to, you know, really pull them away from the things of, you know, that comfort that comes from being together with the saints. You know, this is why, you know, it's so important to, you know, try to be able to get together. You know, and some of them might have to be through different sorts of, you know, video means as opposed to actually truly being together face-to-face temporarily right now, you know, knowing that, you know, this is all eventually going to end. We're going to be able to get together. We're going to be able to have that time of fellowship to be able to see each other again. But it's important to try to do as many things as you can to be able to have this comfort that the Apostle Paul is describing. This comfort that he brings up as he is laying out how he has this desire to be around the saints, to care for each other. This description that he gives, if we go over into the book of Galatians, we'll turn to chapter number 6 in the book of Galatians, and we're going to read a verse talking about 
the care that we should have for one another. And here in Galatians chapter number 6, we're going to read here verse number 10. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now as Paul's closing out this epistle to the assembly in Galatia, and has been talking with them about how you know, someone had come in, tried to put them under the things of the law, trying to pull them away from the message he had been given to them of pulling them away from the grace of God, the message for the Gentiles. You see how he's laying out some practical pieces of things, talking about the care that we're to have for individuals. Starting with this issue of that we're to have a care to where we're doing good for all men. And when Paul says all men there, he literally means do good unto all men, not just unto the people that we care about. It's doing good unto all men. Now he does put a qualification on when he says especially. Now by saying especially means that on top of the fact that you're doing good unto all men, that especially, you know, really make sure that you're doing this unto those who are of the household of faith. Make sure you are doing good unto the members of the body of Christ. Unto the individuals that we are going to be in heaven's glory, ruling and reigning with them for all of eternity. That there's a natural care that we are supposed to have for the members of the body of Christ. A care that Paul can describe and talk about how he had this desire to be with these individuals, to see them again. And then these are people that we've already talked about how over in the book of Acts, that he was there with them for three Sabbath days. So he was there with them for three weeks teaching them. He sends Timothy unto them to make sure that they were staying true to the things that were written in God's word. And now he's describing how he has this desire to come unto them again, to minister unto them. A care that we see that carries out all the way to the very last epistle that he writes Let's turn over to 2 Timothy. We're going to turn to chapter number 4. And we're going to see something that he writes as he's penning this last epistle, as he's describing the things, knowing what's coming for him. And you see how he knows what's coming for him. If we pick up here in verse number 6 of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now we're going to continue on 
you know, with some things in this chapter, but we see how Paul's identifying the fact that he knows that when he's saying, I'm ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. He's sitting in a prison cell. He knows that he has been sentenced to death. And by the fact that he's declaring here that he's ready to be offered his time of departure is at hand, and then getting into the issue of, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, he knows that his death is coming soon. He knows that he's going to die, that he's remained faithful. That's why he's saying, I have kept the faith. And now as he's going to continue on in this chapter, we're going to see how he's going to be dealing with some individuals. Verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. So he's looking for Timothy to come unto him before he's offered up, before he's killed. He wants Timothy to come to be able to provide that comfort that we saw over in the book of Romans in chapter number 1 when he was talking about that there would be a comfort by being around them. Paul's looking for that same comfort coming from the Apostle Paul. Now we're going to see verse 10 where he's going to talk about something that's happened as a result of him being here in prison. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So he names these three individuals, Demas, Crescens, and Titus, and it's talking about how they've forsaken Paul, they've seen what has happened to him, how he's been cast into prison, how he's been sentenced to death, and rather than actually having this thing of where they're going to say, okay, you know, we're going to continue on ministering with the Apostle Paul. We're going to continue standing for the truth of God's word, rightly divided. Paul identifies the fact that they love this present world. They've, you know, in the present world is the things that are of Satan because it's Satan's the prince of the power of the air. He's the one who's controlling the things of this world. They forsook Paul. And they go on to these places where if they're forsaking Paul and loving this present world, that means that Thessalonica, Galatia, and Dalmatia by this point have turned away from the Apostle Paul, just like how he identified in chapter number 1 when he says that, all that are in Asia have turned away from me. That all those that were had accepted the truth of what Paul had been preaching had been standing with him. That by the time he's writing this last epistle, they've turned away. These individuals, Demas, Crescens, and Titus, have turned away. And we've talked about how Titus it was this individual that he ministered with. And this had to have torn the Apostle Paul apart, knowing that Titus, who had been a faithful individual, faithful to the point of when, in, in his epistle to Assembly of Corinth, he talks about how he was depressed over the fact that Titus wasn't there with him. And yet, by this point, 
Titus has forsaken him. And then he identifies here in verse number 11, where he says, only Luke is with me. So this is the only person that is with him is Luke. And then he says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the minister. Now, Mark is an individual who had forsaken Paul in the past. He had seen the opposition, wanted nothing to do with the things of the opposition, and fled from it. And to the point of where Barnabas wanted to bring him back, Paul said no. Paul and Barnabas split. You never hear of Barnabas ever again. But by the time Paul's writing his last epistle, you see how he's saying about take Mark and bring him. He's profitable. That something happened to where Paul had this feeling of, you know what, he is profitable. He is someone I want to be with. And he's someone I'm asking for to have come before I'm going to be executed. It's going to bring me comfort to have not only Timothy come, but there's going to be comfort from Mark coming to be here with me as well. That's the comfort that the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about here with these saints in Thessalonica at this point, who are faithful at that time, that he's saying, you know what, it's going to bring me comfort to be able to see you again. And that's why we're praying for this. Now, we'll continue on with some of these thoughts during our next episode. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have audio files of our Sunday services. We have information about how to watch our Sunday services live as they're broadcast on Facebook. Information about how to join our Wednesday night Bible study through a conference call option as well. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, about anything on our broadcast, anything on our website, We would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.